1: Welcome to the RotoWire DFS podcast brought to you by fantasydraft.com. Use the promo code ROTOZONE for a 100% deposit bonus over at fantasydraft.com. I'm your host, Josh Hayes, joined today by Benny Ricciardi, as always, as we break down the Thursday NBA DFS slate. Big slate here, Benny. I hope you did your research. We've got three games on tap. So, since it's a light slate as well, Benny and I are going to review some qualifying strategy. Uh, for uh, DraftKings. So Benny's going to go through his step-by-step process. It's actually a Wednesday night, and we, like we say, we always record uh, th- about 36 hours in advance. We're going to give you our best Thursday picks since we already gave you our picks for Wednesday yesterday. So if you haven't tuned into that and you're still listening on Wednesday, make sure you check out yesterday's show. Um, in the meantime, we'll bring you our Thursday picks for the NBA slate. Uh, we'll sort of uh, breeze through them since there um, isn't a ton of options. And then Benny will give you his qualifier breakdown. Don't forget, you can always check out the RotoWire DFS podcast online iTunes and Stitcher. So if you get a chance to rate, review, and um, leave some stars for us, please go ahead and do so. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Benicio, let's go ahead and kick this off. Here we got the uh, toronto versus charlotte uh game here on the 17th is that is that correct yeah three games late okay yep. uh okc versus cleveland that's a pretty big matchup uh, i think um, we're gonna see cleveland get pulled out of their paced up system in that matchup and then we probably have the top total on the board in my mind here houston at the la lakers la lakers coming off uh a win on tuesday so let's go ahead and jump into the the point guard position here the only thing really of note is i believe that Kyrie irving is actually going to make his debut so does that mix things up for you on this short slate
2: yeah I don't know if I'm gonna be going heavy on Kyrie in his first game back yeah um you know especially because he's going up against Russell Westbrook in this one so you know he's gonna be getting worked on, on on both ends of the floor um obviously Westbrook hasn't been I don't want to say he's a bad defender but because of the pace that OKC plays at it kind of ticks up everybody on the other team so when you look at you know, like DVP stats, it's a little bit misleading sometimes because there are actually some guys who are good defenders and some guys who are bad defenders, but that doesn't mean that they're going to have good or bad DVP numbers because pace factors into that a lot. And, you know, if you've ever watched Russell Westbrook play, you can tell that he has that extra gear that a lot of other people don't. So right. OKC does play kind of paced up, um, but Cleveland at the same time is a very good defensive team. So I think that that game is kind of one that it's pretty neutral. I don't really tick up or tick down anybody on either side. The only game to me that is something that could be paced up, and again, it's two days in advance, so we don't have the spreads, um, the totals on everything. But I think that the highest total on a day, and you know, tell me if you think I'm wrong, is probably going to be the Houston LA game, is where we're going to see the most fantasy uh, it, goodness.
1: It should absolutely be that, and for that same reason here. Um, I'm actually going to be, uh, jumping in on Patrick Beverly against the LA Lakers. Not just the total. We saw the total was actually sitting at 220 at Sacramento, which I thought was a little bit too high, but the, but the, uh, betters or the, you know, the sports book actually saw the number get pushed up from 219 and a half to 20. And, you know, they didn't, I think that the, the, the game total ended up being 207. But regardless, Kings, um, play with almost as much pace as anybody in the league with the exception of the Golden State Warriors. And you know that you can, um, do some pretty good damage targeting the Lou Williams slash D'Angelo Russell combo, which is why the Lakers allow the most fantasy points to opponents um, in the NBA right now. And you take a look at Patrick Beverly here. You really just need about 25 fantasy points on DraftKings to hit 5X there. And so mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a... Um, uh, GPP upside value there as well. So you're, to me, like, you, you probably need to decide, do I want cash or do I want GPP? Because it's going to be hard to create, like, differentiation between, uh, the both. So for me personally, what I'll do on a short slate like this is I'll probably just fire a GPP lineup with my optimal cash lineup and then just leave it at that uh, in terms of, you know, going hard on the tournament side because it is very tough to narrow down plays, um, the top plays and there's, and it's, you know, like one or two guys who either go off or, or go bad are going to be the difference between some pretty big swings in, you know, in double ups and short slates like this. How, having said that, I do feel like I'm, I do fairly well on narrowing down some of the top options because, um... Everybody needs to be in on a certain, or will definitely be in on a certain number of guys, and you can sort of decide if you're going to be with the field or without them. So mm. I'm, I'm actually going to be pairing like Russell Westbrook, uh, against, you know, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Gimpy Kyrie Irving and Matthew Delvadova, Mo Williams, whoever they want to throw at him It's not going to be a, god, a good combo, uh, for them in this matchup. He's the top priced, uh, t- top projected option, and, uh, Russell Westbrook, I have, uh, let's see here, at 10.3, so he'll be 10.3, 10.4. Um, how are you going to be pairing up your, uh, your guard combo?
2: Yeah, I think at the point guard spot, I think Westbrook kind of stands out to me as the only guy worth paying up for. Right. Uh, Kyle Lowry um, is going up against Kemba Walker in that middle game, the Toronto-Charlotte game. Mm-hmm. Kemba's actually been returning good value lately, but Lowry's a very good defender. I mean, he's a tough-nosed point guard kind of player I, I really like his game and Toronto is a pretty solid defensive team mm. but then on the flip side Lowry's getting a little expensive and hasn't really been making value at the price that he's at right now and you've also been seeing Corey Joseph getting a lot more minutes not that they're coming really at the expense of Lowry but when Joseph and Lowry are on the floor sometimes Lowry doesn't always have the ball <clears throat> excuse me doesn't always have the ball in his hand like you like people kind of expect him to like some of the other point guards do so to me, Westbrook is the only guy that's really worth paying up for. So I'm definitely going to have him in, you know, some of my GPP rosters. I agree with you completely. The matchup against Kyrie, who's never really been known as a great defender. Um, and then also De Badova, if, you know, Kyrie's only playing limited minutes, w- which I think is a concern as well, which is why I wouldn't put Kyrie in my rosters, because I don't think he's going to be getting the full, you know, 35, 40 minutes of run that he will later on in the season. So Westbrook's the guy I'm paying up for. I, I actually, you know, there's a there's a question here that I'm struggling with a little bit. Like we know D'Angelo Russell and Lou Williams have been playing really well lately, mm-hmm. um, especially returning value-wise. Like on that aspect of it, they've been they've been giving you good value. But Patrick Beverly is literally one of the best point guard defenders we have in, in all of uh, you know the NBA. Mm-hmm. So. I'm a little bit on the fence on whether or not I want to use, like Russell's a guy who returned, I think he seven X last game, five X, six X, like, you know, he's been giving you that, that big upside. He's been looking for a shot more scoring a little more. Obviously his usage is high. He handles the ball and all that, but you know, does Patrick Beverly defense kind of scare you away from using some of these cheap Lakers point guard options that we've been rolling lately?
1: I mean, it's supposed to, but, you know, Beverly's been in the starting lineup for a while, and the actually defensive metrics haven't really improved that much. I mean, a, a great way to, to sort of sort this out is, like, let's just look at point guard defense over the past week here, mm-hmm. all right? Houston Rockets are still in the bottom 10, and I think it's mostly related to pace. Um yes. So um, that, and they've, they've been turnover prone. And, um, you know, Dwight Howard has been in and out of the lineup. So Patrick Beverly, like every other game is without his rim protector. So, um, to me, there are just some, too many other mitigating factors for him to be, uh, in lockdown defensive mode. Now, just flipping back here to Kyle Lowry really quick and Kemba Rocker. Those are two both, um, uh, uh, Toronto, uh, number two overall in point guard defense. So in, in the, on mm-hmm. the good side, not the bad side. So it's, yeah. there's the, they're like Kyle Lowry and, um, you know, let me see who else was in that mix there. If I have to sort back for the well, season, Cora Cor,
2: Cor Joseph as well. well I, oh,
1: yeah. No, I was actually just talking about like defensive teams. Uh, oh, say, okay. Who yeah, is, yeah. Um, Boston Celtics, believe it or not. So, like, you used to be able to target Isaiah Thomas, but he has such a good supporting cast defensively. They're all ball hawks. You know, Jay Crowder, Avery, Bra- uh, Avery Bradley. Um, they just do a great jo- job overall defending the position. Uh, even Evan Turner. Um, it's really helped out his defense. So Toronto Raptors, second, second toughest. And then you have the Charlotte Hornets in the top six among point guard defenses. Kemba Walker is mm-hmm. blocking shots like he's out Jefferson. Um, yeah. actually, that's a bad, that's a bad. <laughs> well, Al yeah, is not
2: I, was a great shot say, I was just about to say that to you. He's blocking shots better than Al Jefferson ever did. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So that defensive combo to me, probably with a, with an ugly total, is going to be a reason that I actually fade uh, fade them uh, overall. So um, to sort of answer your question in the in the long winded fashion, I'm okay if you want to gamble. Um, with Lou Williams or DeAndre Russell, if you think that makes more sense for your lineup, for for me personally, I'm going to uh, prefer to use the uh, Russell Westbrook Patrick Beverly combo because uh, I think those are the the most cash safe, and I'm going to lean much more towards cash here on the short Thursday slate.
2: Yeah, I think um, I think you definitely have to look at Westbrook. I think he's far and away the standout at the position here, uh-huh. and then. I Like I said, the Toronto-Charlotte game, you know, like I said and like you just mentioned with the numbers, it, it's not really a great spot for either one of those guys. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, literally, we only have six teams to talk about here. So, at that point, you're basically left with just the last game. If you don't want to use like a Kyrie or a Dellavedova, Vadova, which I have no interest in touching either one of those guys. So, if you're going to roll a second point guard here, I think the decision basically comes down to you know, who you like best in that Houston-LA game. And this actually, you know, like what you just said, is actually something that proves the point we were talking about. You know, Patrick Beverly is a very good defensive player. There's no bones about it. Nobody will argue that fact with you. But at the same point in time, because Houston plays at such a high pace and, you know, like you said, without your rim protector, there are other factors that you consider that it's not just directly a a one-to-one kind of thing like, oh, Beverly's a great defender. You can't use anybody against them. Because of the pace and everything else that goes on, I think you can look at those Lakers guys. So I think I still prefer D'Angelo Russell, but I think if you are rolling a second point guard, your choices basically come down to Lou Williams, D'Angelo Russell or Patrick Beverly. And you know, again, this is one of the reasons why I don't like to play a lot of volume on a, on a small slate because that's a very close decision to me between those three guys. I can, I can make a case for and against all three of them. And, um, you know, if you choose the wrong one, you're probably going to be pretty far behind because I think all three of them are going to have 20 plus percent ownership, which basically is the difference between making money in a GPP and being on the outside looking in.
1: Right. Uh, I totally agree with you there as well. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the shooting guard position <laughs> here on the short slate. Um, how are you going to be, end up separating this, this situation?
2: I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it, but to me, I think James Harden is actually the best play that we have on the slate. You just, uh, I don't know um,
1: if you can squeeze both. That's the, the issue. Yes. That you have. That's,
2: well, that's what I was going to say is, you know, I haven't, obviously it's two days away this one. So I haven't started building rosters for this, but that's the question that I think we should kind of discuss here is would you rather have Russell, Russell Westbrook, Westbrook going up against, against Cleveland or if you can only have one, do you take, You know, again, I mean, I always try to stay towards the high total games. The more guys you can put in a high total game, the more upside I feel you give your roster, especially in a tournament, but even in cash games as well. So if if that game, which I think this is going to be the only game that's over 200 points on a day, and I think it's going to be well above 200 points. Like, I think the the total in this game between Houston and L.A. is going to be somewhere in, like, probably like the 215 range per se. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the usage rate of a guy like Harden, You know, it's 32%, which is one of the highest usage rates at any position for any player in the entire league. We know Harden has the ability to score a ton of points. Even if the spread on this game gets a little high and you think it's going to be a blowout, I still don't mind looking at the team that's going to be the one blowing the other team out. And I still don't mind looking at the guy who's going to be doing most of that scoring if it does turn into a blowout. So I kind of feel like I have Harden slightly ahead of Westbrook here. So he's definitely going to be my number one option. And the other reason for it is I don't really see much like towards the cheaper or lower end that I feel is a great value. You know, like if I saw somebody who I said, well, he's only 5K and I think he can get me 30 to 40 fantasy points for 6 to 8X value, I'd be OK coming down from him. But, you know, the guys that you would be looking at there would be like J.R. Smith, who I'm not thrilled with. Deion Waiters, who I will never, ever play, you know, I, I hate Deion Waiters. Honestly, I just I hate his game. I hate watching him. He's so tilting to me. He just literally chucks up shots and he's he's just I don't know. I just feel I mean, basically, I'm still I'm still upset that he said to himself that he would be willing to take a max contract somewhere. And I'm like, has this guy watched himself play a max contract? Really? I'm like, you know, you serious. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he said it with a deadpan, like straight face. Like, oh yeah, you know, if uh, I forget what team it was, uh, maybe a Charlotte or something. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't mind going to Charlotte. I mean, if they're gonna offer me a max contract, I'll definitely play there. And I was like, it was was like I was looking around. Like, is TMZ here? Is this guy on like candid camera or something? You know, is is uh, what's his name gonna jump out and yell, uh, you know, punked right now? Because I, I was like, I had no idea what he was talking about at the time. But you know, like Jordan Clarkson's been a little banged up, and then. That basically leaves you like Kobe Bryant, who honestly is probably the second best shooting guard option here. If I'm not going with James Harden, I, I mean I hate to say it, and I'm sure you're about to rail on me for this, but Kobe Bryant would probably be the guy I'd go with.
1: Yeah, you know what I gave Cole, I gave Michael Kim on 120 Sports a lot of flack for picking Kobe, um, and then I did I outdid him by picking Larry Nance Jr. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which he was min priced, by the way. So you really, okay. So like literally, I I needed like eight points and six boards, and I got four points. So I didn't get mm-hmm. killed in that spot. But Kobe is actually a pretty good spot at in, in a pretty good spot at six K. And I don't mind him uh overall yeah. because you know James Harden doesn't play defense. I actually don't also. Um, well, you know what though? James Harden isn't actually going to be on him, probably. It's probably going to be Trevor Reza, which is worse. So for me, actually, I actually like to step down just a little bit here and, and take Jordan Clarkson at 5,300. He paid off 5X on the price tag yesterday against the Milwaukee Bucks. And, um, you know, he's going to get James Harden on defense here. So yeah, you can do one of the two things. I'm not going to play Harden over a Russell Westbrook in my mind. Um, I don't, I'm fine okay. with anybody who does though. You know, I just feel like, you, you have a bigger triple double threat on DraftKings and, and more ceiling mm-hmm. right now with Russell Westbrook for the same price. He's just been super consistent and James Harden will, will here and there pop up with just like a bad shooting performance and he won't do the job in the other, on, on the rest of the, uh, spot. So like when he struggles, he may rack up assists, but the rest of the game sort of kind of yeah. falls off, you know? Mm-hmm. So when you see him go bad, he goes bad. Russell Westbrook you will, know, well, will, can, Get you like in a 15 assist game and still just score 17 points. And so like he's racking it up on the other end if the rest of his teammates are lining it up, which I like about his game. I think he's just added an extra dimension. So, um, that's, that's how I'm choosing between the the two, but I understand what, what you're talking about with the top total here. So you can make a case for Harden, Kobe, or, or Jordan Clarkson. I'm going to go, go with the cheapest of those, of that bunch to, to sort of help myself since I, I paid up here, um, right. uh, I think.
2: I was going to say, I think if you're, I think the decision that you have to make is if you're going, if you're going Westbrook, then you're prob, then Clarkson, I would agree with you. Clarkson or Kobe is definitely the way you got to go. Uh-huh. Whereas if you go with Harden, you know, you're probably not fitting in Westbrook. And, you know, like we said, we didn't like those other guys up towards the top end. So if you are going with Harden, you're probably going to wind up with the guys like, you know, that we talked about, like D'Angelo and Beverly and Lou Williams in your lineup. So that's really how you have to consider it. you got to kind of look at it as like a two-by-two two rather than just do I want, you know, because obviously if everybody has the chance, we're all going to take Harden and Westbrook. But, you know, you're not going to, you, you take Harden and Westbrook, you're down to $28,000 to fill out the last six guys on DraftKings. You're down to, let's see, they're probably both over 10, 11, 21. You're down to probably like $39,000 to fill out the last seven spaces on Fanduel. so at that point you're probably looking at having to throw in at least one min price punt if not two um in order just to round out your roster so unless we get some like obvious obvious value you know min price guys because of some kind of injuries in the next day or two i, I just don't see how roster construction is going to allow you to put them together
1: yeah i agree with you there as well it's going to be Pretty tough overall for you to sort of figure that out. All right, so let's go ahead and flip over to the uh, small forward here position, Benny. um, How are you going to be approaching this, knowing what we know with the guys we got in?
2: Yeah, I actually have been looking at Nick Batum a lot. Um, He's somebody who, you know, has been putting up some pretty solid numbers. He's got a really good floor. Like, he hasn't had a game where he's been less than, like, 4X in a long time, which, granted, is not a huge game, but he's put up 6X in four of his last nine he's put up a couple five x's along the way there and like i said the worst games he's been putting up have been four x for you now again i'm not saying i don't like lebron james i think lebron's gonna get you know his full allotment of minutes in this game because i think this game is gonna stay close i think that you also gotta look at kevin durant a little bit who's gonna you know obviously be another guy who's gonna be a big part of you know his team's offense and all that do you think durant and um in this game, do you think that you probably have uh, LeBron guarding Durant? That's kind of the way I see it. Yes, I, I, totally, yeah. I
1: do definitely think that. So, it. I
2: mean, that that alone, to me, kind of ticks down Durant a little bit. And if you have to pay 10 k for either one of these two guys, I mean, to me, I'd much rather have Westbrook and or Harden. Mm-hmm. You know, Durant and LeBron are probably the third and fourth best options on the slate to me. But if I can only pay up for one, I'm going to try to pay up for Westbrook or Harden before I even look at James or Durant, which automatically takes those two guys out of the list for me and has me looking at the guys lower. So the next lowest guy on the list right there would be guys like, um, you know, you'd basically be deciding between guys like Nick Batum, uh, maybe a Trevor Ariza in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I Toronto's been... I haven't really been using either one of them. Like with Damara Carroll out, you would have thought that either James Johnson or Terrence Ross would be like these super value plays, but neither one of them has really been producing nope. and producing consistently enough for me to say like, oh yeah, forget it. Punt the position and roll with neck tat or uh, James Johnson is neck tat for those that don't know. Cause he has that <laughs> tattoo on his neck. It's kind of, his, it's kind of his nickname. Um nice. You know, and if you look at the rest of the position, like below there, like, PJ Harrison, Richard Jefferson, you know, Marcus Thornton, Corey Brewer, you know, as long as Ariza's playing, I don't want anybody below Ariza. So to me, the, the decision's probably going to come down to, do I roll Nick Batum or do I roll Trevor Ariza? And I kind of like both of those guys because Ariza's in the paced up game and Batum has been playing well and, you know, contributing across the board, assists, rebounds, points. You know, he took 21 shots in his last game. So, to me, it's probably going to be a question of either Ariza or Batum, and it's going to depend on how the rest of my roster construction goes, because I think you're getting like a, you know, probably somewhere between like a 1500 to $2,000 discount on Ariza, depending on what site you're playing on. So that's really what it's going to come down to. I would be okay rolling either one of those guys, depending on how the rest of my roster looked and which one of the two I could fit easier.
1: Yeah, uh, so for me, I, I'm, Nick Batum is going to be my top choice if I get stuck in a salary situation where I have to come down from from um, Nick Batum because he is in the seventy six hundred range. Um, although I, um, you know, I like everything that you said though with you know no Damari Carroll them with them rolling with you know lesser options that are aren't as good defenders. Although well, James Johnson's supposed to be a good defender, but I don't trust him because he just looks like he's been all in on the on the buffet in the off season. Uh-huh. Um, so for me, I'm actually going to go whichever Ariza. This is how I get you know exposure to that game. Although I don't have the top you know player in the board in James Harden, I'm keeping myself there. Very reasonable price at 5,500. Um He hasn't been killing you or, or or you know like killing it in terms of uh, production, but like it's it's a very safe price on DraftKings, and he does have double double potential because he he's a fairly decent rebounder. So and we I think there's you know going to be some some shots definitely jacked up here um in this contest so i'm going to give myself a little bit of flexibility i'm like a wampatoon but if i can't afford him i'm okay with reason in the top pace game uh so um that's how i'm going to approach that now uh before we move on to the power four position here benny i um, want to let you know that if you're struggling with the flexibility why not check out fantasydraft.com and that flexible Lineup format that gives you the freedom to choose all the players that you like—just three guards, any three forwards or centers, and two utility players. Pay out a 25% payout zone, which is the largest um, in the DFS industry that, that I'm aware of, um, or more. Uh, they like to do things like break free contests uh, every, uh, every week in here in the NFL as well. Uh, they cap the playing field at just 20 entries per user, so you never have to worry about um, you know 400 entries from Max dollary. In their contest, Uh, great value in their contest. More of the fees go directly to the payout zone. And uh, don't forget, you can go over to fantasydraft.com and find out more about how they put players first. Daily free rolls, about three free rolls available, including the the weekly NFL that you can register per day. So don't forget to go to fantasydraft.com and use the promo code ROTOZONE for a 100% deposit bonus on fantasydraft.com. All right, Powell Forward, who is going to be in the post for you on Thursday.
2: Yeah, I don't really like the matchup. The one guy that you can pay up for at Power Forward is Kevin Love. And I don't really love this matchup for Kevin Love. Uh, Abaka's a pretty solid defender. It's, you know, doesn't really help his fantasy score overall, but it is one of the things that, you know, he, he is very good at. He, that's kinda like, you know, he's a better real life player to me than a fantasy player overall. So I don't think I'm gonna look at Kevin Love, and I don't really think I'm gonna look at Abaka on the other side of this game either. So it kind of leaves you with some very limited choices. Um, Marvin Williams has gotten too expensive for me to play, so he's kind of out for me. Skola has been interesting. I just really don't like rostering him because, you know, we actually talked about this last time, I think. He, he'll score some points for you. Mm-hmm. He'll get you a couple of the other stats, but for a power forward, he does not really rebound all that well. So, you know, he'll come up with an occasional, like, seven or eight rebound kind of game, but... Yep. He has a lot more games where he has, like, five rebounds. One, like, like, he has games where he's played 20-something minutes and had, like, one rebound, two rebounds. Yeah. From a power forward, you just you can't have that. And honestly, I feel like he's kind of losing minutes lately. Um, you know, if you look, he had that three-game stretch against Philly, Milwaukee, and San Antonio where he played 25 to 30 minutes a game. But sandwiched in between that, the last game he only played 18 minutes. You know the games before that—sixteen minutes, twenty minutes, twenty-one minutes, nineteen minutes. So, I, I just don't have a lot of faith or trust in him. You're, now
1: you're bagging on my guy here.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna say. I mean, but like, like I'm saying, it's a very tough position today. I don't think you pay up for it. Like, I really don't have somebody who I love because let me let me kind of give you my thoughts. I mean, it's a it's a short slate and we got the time, so there's really no reason not to you know kind of go into it a little bit here. Sure,
1: I got like to, I to, got a couple options. So go, you go for it.
2: Okay, like the the guy who I really want to tell people to play is Julius Randle. And um, that's because, my first guy. Yeah, like if you look at his game logs, it is maddening to me that Byron Scott is like, I'm limiting this guy to twenty to twenty-five minutes. Because just look at the game logs. Like in twenty-four minutes in the last game, fourteen points, fourteen rebounds. He has double doubles in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of his last nine games. And you're only given this guy or I'm sorry, seven of his last ten games. But he's only getting 20 to 25 minutes in most of those games. When he plays 30 minutes, he's giving you 6 or 7x value. So why aren't... But that's the thing is I can't fully tell people to go ahead and play him because most of the time in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 of those games, he hasn't played more than 26 minutes. And I, I don't know why. Like It's not like the guy's not producing. He's a solid defensive player. You know, he's putting up, he's not a huge scorer, but he'll get you 12 to 18 points. And I mean, look at these rebounding numbers, 12, 11, 19. He only had five rebounds in the, in the one game that they lost to Atlanta. And then he had 11, 11, 12. And then he had a bad rebounding game again against San Antonio, which again, we throw out a lot of games that guys play against San Antonio because of how good they are defensively. So I could excuse him for that. And then another 10 rebounds against Houston, 14 rebounds against Milwaukee. Doesn't this guy deserve more playing time? He does. But again, in fantasy, we don't care what he deserves or how good he is. We care what he's probably going to get. And he's probably only going to get 24, 26 minutes. So at that amount of minutes, you know, really his upside is probably capped in like the mid-20s to to low-30s. And it might not be horrible at 6K, but it's also only like 5X value. It's not like he's... You know, it's not like he's going to be a guy who can give you huge upside. Now, on a day with only three games, 5X value might be enough, but I'm just, I'm not really comfortable with, with saying that. Um, and then you can look at a guy like, uh, like Cody Zeller if you wanted to. But again, you know, even though they have a bunch of injuries and Zeller's been seeing some more minutes, it's not like he's playing 30, 35 minutes a game. He's playing 25, 23, 27, somewhere in that range. And now that his price is no longer under 4K, You know, he's probably going to be like 4,200 on this slate here. You know, he's giving you returns in the high teens. So, again, that's only like four times value, so you can't really look at him. And, I mean, I know I just kind of railed on your choice the other day or or a couple minutes ago about Larry Nance, but, you know, Larry Nance, you know, basically Larry Nance and Julius Randle right now are splitting the game. They are. Like, that's basically what they're doing. It makes no sense to me why that's what they're doing. But that's what Byron Scott has decided to do with him. And you can get Larry Nance at like 3,500. So I'm not really comfortable with it. But, you know, for me, the best option seems to be Julius Randle.
1: Yeah, so I like Julius Randle. He's done well actually off the bench in terms of like being able to consistently produce double-doubles. You know, really accepting the last two games against San Antonio, which I always throw out. Um, and uh, Houston for for uh, whatever reason, but the if you if you saw you know what happened in the game, the Lakers cruised. Uh, so um, it was like a almost a 30-point uh, loss for Houston, which is crazy uh, to me. And they just lost to Sacramento as well, so they're just an absolute tailspin. Um, but but just tells you how much of a target they are on the defensive end there. But it comes up with 14 and 14 in 24 minutes against Milwaukee, so I'm fine. That's 5.5x with Julius Randle if you want to go uh, um, in that direction. For me, the case for Luis Scola here is, you know, uh, against Indiana, Jordan Hill had like the game of his life. Uh, so, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, and, and that just put, um you know, school in a difficult position. The minutes have been a little bit uneven, uh, there as well, but take a look at what he's done at, at the 4,900 to 45 to 4,900 price level. Okay, 22 and 5, 12 and 8, 16 and 8 with some chip and assist steals and a block there. Good for 5, 6.5, 5.7, and 6.3. And that's three of the last four games overall. So, you, ha- when you have limited options and you can get in there under 5k, I'm, I'm fine with L- Luis Scola. At least you know that he's going to, you know, probably get you double digits scoring. He, I don't think he's ever really going to like just absolutely destroy you for the most part, um, in this particular matchup, uh, w- 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 with, uh, with Toronto because we know, um, you know what they do? They have problems at the power four position do the Charlotte Hornets. So, and then you take a look at them on the defensive end there too, as you know, and it's just evidenced by them giving up the third most fancy points, uh, in the NBA. To the the power 4 position on the season. Now, if you want, want to go to the flip side there as well, and you know you like Julius Randle, then you have the single best matchup for uh, uh, on the slate that so the Rockets give up the most fantasy points to opposing power forwards mm-hmm. on the season. So you can pick your p- uh, pick your choice uh, b- uh, between the two. Do you need to save more salary because sometimes it gets pretty tight here with trying to sneak in as many bigger guys as you can? Um, you know, go you can take Julius Randle in the top option, or you can take Luis Cole in the number three option. The defensive matchups are very good in both spots. Um, so, and, if you, you know, you had to, if you feel a little bit safer, you know, Julius Randle's definitely the double-double, um, better the double-double bet, which gets you that bonus on DraftKings. So something else to sort of continue, uh, consider as you uh, throw yourself in the mix. All right, center position, Benny here. Let's go ahead and round up the Thursday slate, and then we'll get into our uh, qualifier strategy. Uh, go ahead and give me what you got.
2: Yeah, I mean, Dwight Howard should probably be the highest scoring center on the slate here. I don't think it's even going to be close. The problem is he's also well well above everybody else when it comes to price. I don't think there's even another center on on the slate here that's going to be over $5,000 and his price has been creeping up where he's almost 8,000. So he's 60% more expensive than any of the other options that you're going to have. You know, you got to pay up another 60% from some of these other guys to get him. So if you're looking at the 5k range, if you figure like I don't think Dwight gets 40 points here. So if he's not going to get 40 points, if I can get 25 or more out of any of these other guys, I think they make a better value option on the day and also allow me some salary savings to try to attempt to fit in two of the top four studs that we talked about in Westbrook Harden, you know, Durant and, uh, and LeBron. So I think you can look at guys like, um, Clint Capella who, you know, his, his biggest problem for me is that he's not getting the minutes lately, but he's been producing really well. He's been giving you, you know, 4 to 5x value, which again, you got to be a little bit, you know, you don't need to look for that 5 to 6x on such a small slate because there just aren't that many options. You know, it would be nice if you can still find it, but I don't think it's something that you have to do. The guy who has actually been playing the most minutes and has been returning, you know, pretty solid value over the last like 10 games or so has been uh Bismack Biumbo. Um, You know, him and... Kaminsky have both been giving you pretty decent value. Biombo's only $4,000, so I think he opens up the most room for you to be able to do stuff with. And then the guy who is somebody else we have to consider, because he's really picked up his game over the last couple right here, has been, um, you know, Roy Hibbard, who's gone 6x, 5x, you know, 3x for a bad game against San Antonio, but again, we can excuse that. And then, uh, 4.5x against Minnesota. So to me, I'm probably going to be looking more down in that price range. And if you ask me right now, I think Biombo is probably the guy I'm going to roll with. And the only reason why I say that is because, uh, you know, Toronto right now really doesn't have a center. And I, I'm sorry. I mean, um, Charlotte right now really doesn't have a center. I don't think Big Al is back. He's probably still going to be out. So I don't hate the matchup for Biombo going up against, um, You know, probably like some Cody Zeller defense and some Kaminsky defense over there. And at 4K, at four he really only needs to get me about like 24 points or so. So I think that he's the guy that I have the most faith in giving me the best value on a day. Because if you think that he can get you half of the fantasy points that Dwight Howard can get you, Uh that he's going to be the better value because he's basically half price at 4K versus Dwight at, you know, 77, 78, 8,000. Um, dollars on this slate. All
1: right. Well, I almost feel about Bisbeck Miambo the way you feel about Deion Waiters in DFS because the guy refuses to score and refuses to work on his offensive game, which really bothers me. Um, but I understand, you know, where you're coming from from a value standpoint. I'm just going to offer two other options here. This is maybe the only time the season I say this, but but Roy Hibbert uh, on this slate here at 4400 on DraftKings, uh, playing 25 to 30 minutes there, double doubled in his last matchup there. You only need like. 24 fantasy points on DraftKings in the top total on the board against somebody who, like Dwight Howard, who's an absolute dog, got destroyed by Demarcus Cousins. It was like, not destroyed, but got embarrassed by Demarcus Cousins and baited. Demarcus Cousins is like the best in the league in getting you to foul, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, Dwight Howard should known, have known that, should have read the scout report, didn't care, got teed up, got frustrated by him, only scored mm-hmm. four points. So, um, you know, I, I think Roy Hibbert's actually. Cash safe at 4,500 has paid off 7.3 and 5.6 x in the last two matchups against uh, Dwight Howard, believe it or not, and another, I think they started John Henson in this matchup, who is a much better defender than Greg Monroe. Probably causes, should cause more offensive problems for Roy Hibbert, but he still paid off the tag at 7.3x in that matchup there as well. So I'm okay with Roy, with Roy Hibbert. He's actually going to be my top option for, for cheap. And then if you want to go even cheaper, like you get to really stuck, Frank Kaminsky, um, who's been getting minutes as of, as of late, here's the game log in the last four, um, games, 30 minutes, 28 minutes, 27 and 22, um, against Boston. And has been just barely above min price at 3,400 paid off 8x and 7.1x against Miami. And against Memphis, the the Wolves are probably two of the tougher matchups uh, defensively, um, mm-hmm. at, with Hassan Whiteside and Marcus Sol. Um, You know, did struggle a little bit, only 15 fantasy points against Boston, but Boston's a pretty good overall defensive team uh, there as well. So, I mean, a little bit more of a gamble. I feel safer actually with Roy Hibbert, which makes me feel dirty even just saying that but you know like, like again we're talking about a three game slate here as well so those are going to be two two of the options that i'm going to uh to take take a look at it's it's actually a difficult defensive matchup for Biombo too because cominci going to want to hang out on the wing for the most part you know and it's not like he's going to actually try to bang with Biombo for for uh you know i i i, I would think that cody zeller might try to do that a, a little bit more so those those are how i'm, yeah. uh, how I'm actually looking at that shaking out it's ugly for sure and so like if you know if you don't, um, you know, pay up for Dwight Howard, which I never have this season. Here, you want to go as cheap as possible when you really feel about, you know, less sure about your
2: options. So, yeah, and and also, um, you know, I think it. I think going down towards the bottom and like guys like Kaminsky or even, uh, you know, Biombo, you know, who's who's my guy that I would probably use are it's going to open up that salary that you're going to need to try to fit in that second stud. So after looking at the entire slate a little bit deeper here, I am going to do everything I can to try to fit Harden and Westbrook on the same roster. I don't know if I'm going to be successful at it, but I I think I'm going to try as hard as I can to get that in because, you know, again, with such limited options, if you can figure out a way to do that and get solid value out of everybody else who you put in around them, I think that could be the winning strategy on the slate.
1: All right. Fair enough. All right. And that's going to wrap it up for our DFS picks for the Thursday mini slate here. Uh, before we move on to our qualifiers, um as well don't forget uh you can check out uh slash pod to get take advantage of the free 10 day trial and get access to NFL NBA NHL college football and soccer optimizers there as well and if you're wondering how you can take advantage of the NBA optimizer and use that in your DFS lineups once again check out yesterday's show the Wednesday NBA value plays in your um iTunes or your podcast feed and we and uh, Benny and I went through uh of so the adjustments that we go, go out and make throughout the day. It's funny too, like, you know, people were asking us about how, you know, I, we mentioned that you know, sometimes like early in the morning, once the news comes out, the optimizer does get refreshed. Rotowire does continue to update projections as injuries have happened and people get announced in and out because um, they are actually the... Uh, injury update provider for sites like DraftKings. kings okay so when we popped up later on i checked the roadwire optimizer they had darren collison in there they had jeremy nelson there so they were making adjustments that we were already sort of recommending throughout the day so uh, as injury information has, pops up don't uh, be afraid to refresh the optimal lineup on DraftKings and sort of compare notes with what you've made with the initial adjustments if you'd like to set your lineups early so um that's the site that we use uh, and the optimizer that we use along with the projections, the b- position by position that you can sort of go through and take a look at the projected points and the value that they're going to be providing you. All that information is available free in a 10-day trial at rotowire.com slash pod. Go ahead and check it out. Let us know what you think about it. And uh, in the comments section, tell them that Benny and Josh sent you. All right. Qualifier strategy here, Benny. You have a uh, specific cue, uh for the Wednesday slate that you uh, want to talk about here, and then you can sort of take us through your your overall approach. You've wrote we have written a lot of articles, and you play in a lot of more qualifiers than I have my, uh, myself. So you're the absolute best person to sort of break down the strategy and help people out along the way.
2: Yeah, and and you know what? It's not even qualifiers. I The reason why, I mean, obviously on a three-game slate, Josh and I were talking before the show about, hey, what else can we kind of give people besides just the picks that will help you be a better DFS player? So one of the things I said I wanted to kind of walk through today is how I go about attacking some of these you know, whether it be the qualifiers or, or, or some of these big money tournaments that are out there. You know, I have a decent bankroll, I've been playing this game for a while, but even for myself, it's not easy to, you know, click four or five three hundred or five hundred dollar entries into some of these big tournaments. And for the average player out there, you know, I don't think it's very smart for you to be doing that on a consistent basis. But there are ways that you can get in there. And with today, you know, when we're filming this being the Wednesday that DraftKings is running their $300 buy-in high flyer tournament uh, with a $1.25 million prize pool and a, you know, $250,000 first place prize, I kind of wanted to go over how I go about getting my entries to a tournament like this. So basically, you know, whether you play on DraftKings, on FanDuel, on Fantasy Draft, on Fantasy Aces all of these sites are running satellites almost on a daily basis for some of these higher buy-in tournaments. And I think going after these satellites is a really good way for you to you know, build your bankroll. I mean, guys say to me all the time, like, Benny, what's the best way for me to kind of build my bankroll? And I always tell everybody, you know, I, I play a decent amount of cash games, but the big hits that I've had have obviously come in tournaments. So the, the way I've been able to jump my bankroll from one level to the next level you know, to give me the bankroll to play into some of the bigger buy-in tournaments is by having some big hits in these, you know, $100, $300, $500, $1,000 know, buy-in kind of tournaments. But I don't usually direct buy into them. And this is kind of what I wanted to talk about here today. Like, for example, about three weeks ago, DraftKings started posting about this $1.25 million high-flyer tournament that they're having tonight. So when I saw that, I said to myself, okay, I have... I think when I looked at it, I said, okay, I have 20 days to try to win a $300 ticket to get into this tournament or multiple $300 tickets to get into this tournament. So if you're somebody who says, I want to take a shot. I want to have, you know, a tournament in this, uh, a lineup in this big tournament to try to win a large chunk of money, you know, I'm going to be willing to put that $300 up there. What I have been doing is I said to myself, okay, I'm going to take two entries into this tournament. One of them I'm willing to put the $300 up and buy into right away. And then with the other $300 that I would have bought the second entry into it, I said, let me see if I can pick up some tickets, you know, on the cheap by doing this. Now, you guys know, I always say, you know, you never want to go all in with your bankroll because on any given day, you could have a good day or you can have a bad day. And I try to follow the same strategy every day when I'm building my rosters I always think I'm going to have a great roster. It doesn't always work out for you, but you always try to put the best roster in that you can. So if you have a good 20-day period and you're somebody who's grinding this out and playing every day, here's kind of the way I go about it. Every day I have been putting in a $10 or a $5 or a $20 entry into one of these satellites that they have. Because I know over the course of this three-week period that I have to win a ticket, At some point during that three-week period, everything's going to click for me, and I'm going to have one of those rosters where I score 292 points or 304 points or 315 points where all my value plays hit, all my studs hit, You know, the game that I went heavy on goes into overtime or something like that, and I'm going to have one of those big days. So you figure out how many days you have, which in this case was around 20 days, and then you say, okay, I can put $15 a day into these qualifiers – trying to get myself a ticket for this tournament. And the way it actually worked out for me, I would throw in like a $10 and a $5 every day. Um, you know, I would skip some of the small slates that I don't like playing. So I had a little bit extra. So some days I would throw it in the $20 qualifier. And I wound up getting myself two tickets to this tournament for the same $300 that I was planning on spending to buy myself in straight straight away. Now, does it always work out that way? No. You could go on a bad run and and not have anything, you know, remotely close to it. And that happened to me during baseball season, where I wanted to play in a you know, a five hundred dollar qualifier that they had on DraftKings to, you know, try to win my seat to one of the big championships. But instead of taking the five hundred dollar roster, I said, all right, I'm going to take, you know, over the course of the next three weeks, I'm going to take a shot in a twenty seven every single day which will equal up to the same, you know, $500 I would have bought directly into the qualifier for. And during that entire period, I did not have one day where I wound up hitting and winning the ticket. So, yes, that can happen sometimes. But, you know, on Fantasy Aces, to to go to the flip side of the argument, you know, I wanted to play in the $215 qualifier that they had over there in order to win a seat to their live final. So what I did instead is I played, you know, 10 days in a row. I played in the... $20 qualifier that they have and that worked out really well. And I wound up, you know, having four tickets or four seats into the big qualifier instead. So if you're somebody who's grinding it out and getting, you know, $30 or $40 a day worth of profit out of your cash games and occasionally hitting on the $5 and $10 GPPs, which again, that's how I started. You know, you start out with a small bankroll and you slowly build it up and you manage it, you know, smartly and you, and you build it into something bigger. What I like to do is use some of that money that I, that I'm making playing in these cash games to be the money that I use to take one shot a day in these satellites. Because over the course of two or three weeks, I feel that at least one of those days, I'm going to have a big roster. You know, and most of you guys who are playing know that you're not going to have that big 300 point roster every day if you're playing NBA over on DraftKings, but at least once every two weeks or so, you will have that roster where everything clicks. So if you can spread out that 300 that you would have paid for the buy-in, and one of those days if you hit on it, you're gonna get that same ticket that you would have paid for anyway. And you're also giving yourself 9 or 10 or 15 or 19 other chances to come up with a second, a third, or a fourth ticket to really have a chance to attack a tournament like this. And the good thing about it is, you know, if you min cash in this $300 buy-in tournament, you're gonna get $600. So if you're somebody who has a you know a four or five hundred dollar bankroll and you're taking that ten dollar shot every day for two weeks, you know that's a hundred forty dollars that you decided to invest in there, or you know three weeks is like a two hundred dollar investment that you decided to make. If you can get that ticket and mint cash in this tournament, you basically managed to triple your bankroll now. So you went from two hundred to six hundred dollars, you know, just by getting into that one tournament. And again, you're also giving yourself the upside that. You know, if it so happens that today is the day that you had that big roster that's 300 points, if you have a 300-point roster in this $300 buy-in tournament with a $1.25 million prize pool, you could walk away with four or five figures and really set yourself up for basically the rest of the season for NBA. You know, you would have enough money to take that step up from the 3 and 5 and $10 tournaments and start playing in the $27 crossover. Or if you're on FanDuel playing in one of their big tournaments, you know, start playing the slam with two or three entries every day and really give yourself a chance to kind of build up that bankroll. So there are a lot of ways that you can go about doing it. I don't think it's smart to, you know, I'm going to go take a $600 deposit from PayPal or I'm going to take $600 out of my bank account and throw it in here, you know, and take two shots at this big tournament because it's very discouraging if you lose $600 out of your own pocket trying to take a shot to, to make some money. But if you were able to use some of that money that you made in the cash games and some of the money that you've been grinding out over the course of that two weeks to take a $10 shot every day, you know, that doesn't hurt the bankroll as much. Cause to me, the main thing you want to consider is you want to stay in the game. You want to be able to stick around long enough because if you're building good rosters on a daily basis and you stick around long enough and you're, you know, putting a little bit of money on the line every day, eventually that big score will come. You know, it. I, I went through dry stretches when I first started. I thought I was never going to have any good scores. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start hitting and you hit for a $1,000 here or $2,000 there. Or, you know, you have a, a really good roster and you hit for like five or $10,000 or something like that. Those scores do happen and they do come along. But, you know, even if you look at a lot of the big players, guys who play even much higher volume than I do on a, on a daily basis – you don't win every day. Those rosters come along every once in a while. But you want to put yourself in a position when they do come along to really be able to capitalize on it. And like I said, if you're somebody who's a smaller bankroll player, you might be able to afford to take that 5 or $10 shot every day for a week or two. But if you do happen to hit it and you get that $300 roster, even if you min-cash that $300 roster, that $600 is a big boost to your bankroll. And it also is a big boost to your confidence to let you know that you know, you can play at that level with with some of the, you know, quote unquote, big boys who are throwing in some of these, you know, multi entry 50, you know, 25, 50 entries into some of these big $100, 200 $300 tournaments. You know, there's a lot of people out there who have the skills that you need in order to play at that level. But the thing that a lot of people don't understand is the bankroll management. A lot of people don't have the bankroll to get there. And you don't want to put the cart before the horse there. You don't want to try to play in these tournaments before you can manage it. It took me probably a year before I really felt comfortable playing in tournaments that were a hundred or $300 kind of buy-in tournaments where if I did lose, I didn't feel like, oh my God, I just, you know, threw away 20% or 15% of my bankroll on one tournament. You know, it, it takes a while to build up your bankroll slowly there. But there are ways that you can get into these tournaments or even these qualifiers if you're somebody who's shooting at some of these live finals that, you know, most of these sites are going to be announcing for NBA pretty soon. There are ways to do it that don't sink your entire bankroll. Because let's face it, the only way you get better at this game is by playing it more often and playing it, you know, not even on a daily basis, but just playing it more often and building rosters and, you know, kind of looking around and seeing how people – Are able to build winning rosters and trying to emulate what they're doing and, you know, using the thought process that they're using to build those rosters when you're building your rosters before these tournaments start. So if you're able to stick around long enough that you can learn that stuff, it makes it a lot easier for you to build your bankroll slowly over time and get to the point where, you know, if I throw an entry, if I throw two entries into the 300 tonight and I don't cash either one of them, yeah, I'm not going to be happy about it, but you know what? I'm also not going to lose sleep over it and it's not going to, you know, knock me out of contention of playing in other tournaments, you know, tomorrow or the next day or the day afterwards. Yeah, I might adjust the, you know, numbers or the volume that I'm putting in on on a daily basis if I have a loss like that, but it's not going to knock me out of the game forever and that's the, you know, the big thing that I wanted people to understand about it.
1: All right. Well, that's all great information. Um uh excellent analysis here. The one Caveat I want to say just as a little quick disclaimer here, because there's a number of people who are still trying to build their bankrolls, still trying to find a winning formula here on, uh, you know, like Fandle and DraftKings and their DFS lineups. If you aren't, like, uh, in a regular position where you are cashing in your 50 50s, your head to heads, you know, like that, GPPs may not be like your best bet. It may also turn out that you're actually setting better lineups and you're better at GPPs than you are in cash games there as well. But so, you know, just to keep yourself like in a safe position, because you can burn yourself your bankroll pretty quickly chasing Qs or chasing, you know, GPPs, you probably want to keep it in the 1% to 3% range there as well. So, for, so for example, if you want to take Benny, Benny's advice and get in there and Try to jump your bankroll up, and you have a hundred bucks in your account. You really should just be playing like dollar qualifiers, and those dollar qualifiers are all over the place. They're they're on DraftKings. You can find them on FanDuel. You can find them on fa- uh, Fantasy Draft. You can find them everywhere. And that's something you can sort of stick to that you can still get some, still cash in, still get a ticket in, and you know you don't have to be in those ten and twenty and thirty dollar qualifiers like Benny is, and still take his advice and apply that and see if you can you can still take your shots because you know the, one of the biggest appeals of DFS is being able to jump into in, in these. And compete in tournaments and have a chance to have a big score. And it, sometimes it's a little boring for people to grind out, you know, head-to-head matchups. So that's the way you do it. Just be reasonable about it, all right? Otherwise, you're going to set your bankroll on fire and be like, man, you know, Benny and Josh told me to chase yeah. these qualifiers, and now I'm yeah,
2: no chasing chasing qualifiers. <clears throat> like I'm going to be honest with you guys. If I don't win a ace, if I don't win a satellite that gets me into, I don't even chase the small dollar amount qualifiers. <clears throat> like if there's a $20 qualifier for one of these live queues that has 10,000 people in it, to me, it's not even worth it to play it because what are your chances of being first out of 10,000 people? So if you want to play in one of those qualifiers, you would have to, for for the way I look at it is, I would have to win a ticket for like a dollar or $2 into the $20 qualifier to play it, and even then, I don't think it's worth it. I think the way to really do it is... Look at like the dollar, three dollar, five dollar qualifiers that can win you a ticket to, you know, a hundred dollar or a three hundred dollar qualifier where you have a realistic chance playing against a hundred or two hundred or, or five hundred people. You can win a tournament of a hundred, two hundred, five hundred people. It's not impossible. Not that it's not possible. Obviously somebody has to win every day in the ten thousand dollar, a ten thousand person qualifier. But if you're a small player, That's really tough to be that, to make that the one you're chasing. So look to spend a couple bucks to get a ticket that gets you into a tournament where you have, you know, I'm not going to say a realistic chance because you always have a realistic chance, but you know, a chance where you're only one or two or three percent chance of, of winning like a hundred, three hundred person kind of tournament those are the ones that you want to try to get in if you're going to go and chase some of these qualifiers and even then you have to realize like the guys who qualify for these things you know you'll see like a you know a, a CSU Ram or or a Tommy G or somebody who plays in a lot of these live qualifiers if you're playing in these live qualifiers on a daily basis you will see that these guys will have entries in these tournaments almost every single day so if you're only able to get one ticket here or there to take a shot at some of these qualifiers You know, don't get discouraged if you don't win because the guys that are actually winning these on a consistent basis and going to play in these live finals are probably playing 200 qualifier entries over the course of the entire qualifying season. So you're still, you know, only playing in 1-200th. You're only giving yourself 1-200th of a chance of getting there. Now, it's not that it's not worth it to do, but... People who chase qualifiers, it is, you know, like Josh said, it is the easiest way to burn your bankroll. I have seen guys who had, you know, five digit bankrolls go broke trying to go and chase some of these qualifiers and they don't even really play much volume anymore because they went broke. So even if you have one of those big hits in a GPP, you know, step up slowly. If you're a five or, you know, if you're a dollar, three dollar, five dollar player, Step up to the 10 or 12 or $15 level. If you're a $10 player, step up to the $25 level. Don't try to take that huge leap all of a sudden because, oh, well, I won 600 bucks in the GPP last night. I'm going to go throw five entries into the $100 qualifier because you're going to be right back in the same situation that you were in three days ago before you won that big GPP. You know, try to make your money last. Try to make it roll. But at the same point in time, you know, part of the fun to play in DFS for me, is taking some chances for that big score, is going in and seeing if I can, you know, take down a a four or five or six or, you know, maybe even a seven-figure kind of payday. You know, that's really the, the dream or the goal that we all have as players, to, you know, make a life-changing amount of money where you can, you know, do something like that by playing a game that you love. So definitely don't go chasing these qualifiers. I am telling you this right now because I don't want anybody saying, Benny told me to go chase the qualifiers, you know, Do it smart. Do it with 1%, 3%. I mean, I will put at the beginning of every season, I'll put 4% of my bankroll into an account that I say, okay, this is my qualifier account. And I'll chase the qualifiers with that 4 or 5% that I put on the side. And as soon as that gets, as soon as that money dries up, which it happens often, as soon as that money dries up, I don't play another qualifier for the rest of that season. I'll wait till the next sport comes around. I'll try to build my bankroll back up and then at that point in time, I'll do the same thing and put that four or five on the side. And don't go any further over that. Don't say, well, I was so close. Now I'm going to go all in tomorrow, because believe me, it is it is the easiest way for you to wind up losing all your money.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like a poker tournament, too. Like, you take a lot of... You could be playing great lineups in there and then just sort of, you know, an injury here or there, or, you know, things don't break your way. And, you know, it's not like you did something, you know, that you should have been doing something differently. Uh, you know, you just... it's unless you're the you know the the top bank players in the industry it's very tough to to fire up enough lineups to be in consistently you know in the money or qualifying for uh, all these bigger tournaments that you're trying to hit with so great advice overall that's going to wrap it up for the road to Wire dfs podcast for today somehow we turned a three game play into 56 minutes of show so um <laughs> that's awesome yeah. um well uh, don't forget you can follow us on twitter um at josh Hayes fs at benny r11 send all your comments complaints and questions all your qualifier questions to benny because um he plays a lot more cues than i do and don't forget you can check us out on itunes and stitcher for your downloading convenience thanks for listening everybody